Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3 of season 2 of Soup Dreams. I'm your host, Kyle Gregory. Um, today is an unusual record because my wife is in the other room. And usually I record these things alone so that I have the ability to you know, make mistakes and go on 5 minute idiotic digressions. And that's a lot harder to do when there's an audience or even a perceived audience. Presently, my wife is about the least engaged audience member you could possibly have. She's in the bedroom with the door closed, with earplugs in, reading The Shining. And I imagine that that's probably adding to her fright as she reads this book about uh, a creative genius who goes mad in pursuit of perfecting his art, uh, which is what I'm doing here uh, on, the, on the podcast. And so it's highly likely that she's fervently hoping that I don't have a Jack Trance moment and, uh, you know, start hamming it up big time, which is really his biggest crime, right? When he went on his little psychotic break. Because there's no one else in the hotel. There's no real crimes for him to commit. But he just kind of got way too into the bit and did, like, the Carson thing. And, uh, you know, he was, he was just doing a lot of cringe. And Stephen King, I think, kind of predicted the rise of cringe culture. Weird dads getting too invested in their little uh their little bugaboos that they get so obsessed with and it's having a jack he was writing all work no play makes jack a dull boy and he kind of got stuck on that phrase not dissimilar to me when could not stop thinking you know when the wife is gone the soup is on uh that's kind of the 21st century version of all work and no play make jack a dull boy but yeah, and Jack just kind of, he just hammed it up too much. Just embarrassing. And then he, he died in a, in a maze. Because he's just too corny. Uh, you know, in comedy they have a, a thing where when you're doing a bit and then you add like a little extraneous layer to it, they call it putting a hat on a hat. So, you know, if you have a guy, a character with a funny voice, and then also the character has some other weird personality quirk, like he's just constantly wetting himself. That's a little too much. It's a hat and a hat. Stick with either the wetting yourself or the funny voice. Wetting yourself is a, a challenge. I mean, that's a bolder choice for a performer if you're doing improv to just constantly be pissing. And also, honestly, if you're doing that bit, it's not really improv because obviously you had to drink a lot of liquid beforehand. You'd planned it, and that's cheating. So just do the funny voice. And Jack should have done the funny voice. Is when he started doing props, when he brought out the axe. That's when things kind of fell apart for him. I've actually never seen The Shining, so this is kind of based on viewing Room 237, the documentary about The Shining, which interviews several lovely cranks, and um, watching Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, which does have some footage from the Kubrick Shining in it, and also just this really atrocious digital version of the opening helicopter shot from the original Shining that I don't like at all. It took me out of the movie. The movie was okay. So anyway, my wife is in there terrified. I'm in here. I'm not terrified. I have a microphone. I have a Chilton, which is a, a cocktail that supposedly originated in my hometown of Lubbock at a hotel called the Chilton. And it's just soda water, vodka, and lemon. And normally you put it on a salt rim glass, but mine's just in my uh, Drinkmate carbonated water container. I carbonate my own water because I was spending too much money on, on the various uh, sodas and stuff that they have at Whole Foods and Trader Joe's. Oh, it's good. My preferred low-cal, low-effort cocktail. There's some people that have really fancy bars. We were in a, um, there's a fancy, like, cocktail supply store. It's a liquor store, but it has a bunch of, like, vintage barware by my house. It's called Barkeeper. And I always go in there and think that it'd be really cool to have, like, a really fully stocked bar, and I can mix all these fancy drinks. 
but I don't have space for a bar cart, and so that's a real challenge. So most of my alcohol lives in the freezer, like I'm a, a college freshman. Anyway, uh, today we have an interesting soup. You know, last last week there was a lot of hot talk about the Baby Yoda um, and how much he seemed to enjoy that soup that he had, and we kind of all connected to the character primarily because of that, I think. You're like, oh wow, this this little dude has some real human depth because he also likes soup. You know, canonically, I don't think any other Star Wars characters do. Which is why the next thing I'm going to say might be disturbing to some people. Because the soup is very green and could theoretically be a Baby Yoda soup. It's not. But if you were to, I, I don't know, bring the Baby Yoda to a boil and then simmer him on low for 30 to 40 minutes and then uh, stick him with the immersion blender, he would probably look pretty similar to what we're going to try today. And just the fact that we know that the Baby Yoda is the only Star Wars character who likes soup and therefore is the most human Star Wars character, I think just makes that observation even more chilling. The fact that if we cooked him and ate him, he would probably be pretty similar to what we're about to talk about today. The soup I made today is called Aguadito de Pollo, um, and it's a Peruvian dish. I never had it before, and I actually picked it for the podcast this week because it is the first result on the Wikipedia page list of soups. You know, normally I get the ideas for what I what I prepare from friends or the recipes that I already make a lot. But I was at work one day at lunch thinking about soup while I was eating some leftover soup and wondering about what kind of soups are out there in the world. And so I went to the Wikipedia page, the aforementioned list of soups page. And this first one kind of jumped out at me because the photo was so, uh, so striking. It's a bright green soup because there's a lot of cilantro in it. And so I'll talk to you a little bit about how you make it. Um, the ingredients are a tablespoon of avocado oil, one large poblano pepper, one small white onion, a tablespoon of ahi amarillo paste, or one serrano or jalapeno pepper cord and diced. Five cloves of garlic, peeled and minced, six cups of chicken stock, divided, two cups of shredded or diced cooked chicken, one pound of Yukon gold potatoes, diced, two large carrots, peeled and diced, a half cup of white or brown rice, half cup of peas, two teaspoons of ground cumin, uh, one bunch of fresh cilantro leaves, the juice of one lime, and then you can garnish it with uh, some more cilantro and some green onions if you'd like. And so there's a lot of ingredients. Well, there's a, a, there's a decent amount of ingredients in this recipe. Our old friend, the potato from our last recipe comes into play. Uh, I managed to dice these a little quicker um, because the potatoes were smaller. And so that made life easier. As for the chicken, I actually roasted a chicken the day before and ate the dark meat pieces for you know sustenance throughout the week and save the chicken breast for this dish a lot of people um get too clever when they roast a chicken they try to put a lot of spices and rubs on there and it's really unnecessary and in my opinion doesn't lead it to turn out super well it's uh the problem that you run into when you put any kind of like basting or spices on a roasted chicken is that it is moist and the skin doesn't crisp up and so in my opinion the best way to roast a chicken is you set your oven to at least 475 and you rinse and pat dry your chicken make sure it's nice and dry and I put mine, you can use a roasting pan, I put mine in a cast iron skillet that I, um, I put the, I actually put the insert from the Instant Pot, the little wire basket insert, I put it in the cast iron skillet, and it actually makes a nice little raised platform for the chicken so that the air and drippings can, can get under there. Uh, and then I put the chicken with the breast side down in the oven, and, oh, before I do that, the only thing I put on is salt, and I put a, an enormous amount of salt on it. Like, go 
hog wild with assault. Pretend that the devil is behind you and you're just like blasting that motherfucker in the eye. You do that to the chicken and then you stick either half a lemon or an onion in the, the body cavity, allow it to cook more evenly. And then you put it in that really hot oven for about, I did 90 minutes at 475. You can do an hour at 500, but sometimes it doesn't cook all the way through and then it's a hassle to get it good. I read, I think French Laundry, their roast chicken is like, like that is, that's their roast chicken recipe. It's just salt and a chicken in high heat for an hour. Uh, so if it's good enough for them, I mean, it's good enough for, for anything that we're making here. I also chopped up some carrots and some potatoes and put them under the chicken. And that stuff is really good because that high heat, they just get the, that schmaltz and those drippings. And those potatoes are phenomenal. They're just like salty and, and greasy. And my mouth is, my mouth is like, you can hear it. My mouth is watering thinking about them. It's a great, a great treat. Yeah, so if you want to roast a chicken, the ingredients are chicken, salt, and then spherical vegetable or fruit that you can put in its butt. And that's it. And you put it in, put it in the oven for an hour at high heat. It comes out and it's super crispy. It's almost like it's fried. Good, easy meal to make. So I made that chicken the day before. And then I, I had actually was, and so as I was getting the ingredients for this recipe, it called for the peppers and the amarillo, pa- amarillo paste. Sorry, it's my Texan coming out, amarillo. And amarillo paste and um, the various peppers. Uh, I went to, there's a, there's two little grocery stores by my house. One has more like Central American stuff and one has more just like Mexican uh, ingredients and cooking supplies. And so I went to the Central American one first, since this is Peruvian and it's the one that I prefer just because it, uh, it generally has a better selection in general. And I could not find the uh, ahi amarillo, amarillo paste and I was kind of disappointed by that. So I don't know how authentic this recipe is. Um, they had a Peruvian red uh, pepper paste, but I you know, chose to abide by the recipe. And so instead I just got a jalapeno and, and cored it and diced it. Finding the poblano might be difficult if you wanna make this recipe because for some reason, poblanos are often called pasilla peppers here in the United States, even at my Central American grocery store. So I don't know what the deal is there, but a poblano pepper, you know what it looks like? It's like the fat dark green pepper that they make like chili rellenos uh, out of. This recipe that I have here, I'll go through the instructions with you. So it says heat oil in a large stock pot over medium high heat. Add the diced poblano and white onion and saute for five minutes until the onion is soft and translucent. Stir in the paste or the diced serrano or jalapeno and the garlic and then saute for another couple minutes until the garlic is fragrant and then transfer the entire mixture to a large blender and set aside to cool. And so right there, like that's the key, you know, that, this is why you read ahead. I remember in like third grade, I had a teacher who thought it was like, and we've all probably all experienced this, who thought it was the most clever thing in the world to like start a test and be, and have the line like, you know, the instruction sign. It's like, step one, read all instructions carefully. And then, uh, you know, the, the instructions are kind of unnecessarily long and the expectation is that you kind of just breeze over them and do the test. But then, you know, you get to the, la- the final piece of the instructions and it's like, just sign your name in the top right corner and disregard all previous instructions. You know, just like to be a clever shit to a bunch of dumbass kids. Luckily, I was a horrible nerd, so I was never fooled by that kind of stuff. But it did seem, I mean, it was a kind of a weird teaching moment that was never applied again in my life. I guess except right here. So I read, I read this piece out, there's a blender involved, and just immediately disregarded all the dicing that I was supposed to do. If I'm going to blend this stuff, I'm just going to roughly, roughly chopped at best. 
uh, and that's exactly what I did, and it turned out fine. So I uh, didn't have to dice the peppers, didn't have to dice the onion, didn't have to dice the jalapeno. I did uh, dice up the garlic pretty fine just because I wanted to disperse while it was cooking. That was great. It smells really good. I will say this is the best smelling recipe that I've made, I think, for this, for the podcast. The flavor, I mean, this, that pepper, that garlic, that onion, just this is a real crowd pleaser. Um, and once you add the cumin, like that's another layer in the cilantro. Anyway, you cook all those ingredients, put them in the blender, turn the heat back on in the stock pot, and you'll add five cups of chicken stock. Oh, I also had to make a chicken stock like day of when I was doing this recipe from the carcass of the chicken that I roasted. Whenever I make a chicken or uh, any kind of uh, meat that has bones, so chicken, pork chops, uh, if I get like a bone-in ribeye or bone-in T-bone or ribs or whatever, uh, I just put it in a big gallon freezer bag and they all kind of live together. And then whenever I need, whenever I run out of broth or need some, I just uh, toss it in the Instant Pot. And if I have time, I'll just keep, I'll, Pressure cook it a couple times for 90 minutes because that's the most you can do. And then slow cook it, you know, for a whole day just to really make sure you get all the, you know, everything melts and merges together. But in this case, I only had like an hour. So I just hit it with a high pressure and it, you know, makes a fine chicken stock. It's not as flavorful as it could be, but it worked out great. I also left the onion that I had stuck in the chicken's butt in the stock as well. So yeah, that's how I made my chicken stock. Put the five cups in the red Dutch oven, uh, add your cooked chicken, add your diced potatoes, Add your carrots, which I also just roughly chopped because who cares. Um, add your rice, add your peas. I used frozen peas for convenience. Add your cumin and then let them simmer and then uh, cover partially and cook for, you know, until the potatoes are cooked, which should be 25 to 30 minutes. And so once that's happened, you take your blender with all your cooked peppers and things in it. You add a bunch of cilantro and a, some lime in my case, I use a lemon because I have two lemon trees in my backyard, so I don't buy citrus fruits because they're all essentially the same. And then uh, you also add the last cup of chicken stock. You puree those bad boys until they're super smooth, and then you'll have this like super bright, vibrant green blender full of uh, uh, peppers and, and cilantro, and you'll have the rest of the soup, which is the you know the kind of beige chicken stock color, and you stir in that green, and it looks awesome. Like it just. Well, it looks awesome because you know what it is. If you saw like your drinking water that color, you'd be very disturbed and frightened. Mark Ruffalo would have to come and, and set you straight. But when you know it's food and you smell it, it looks really cool. Uh, and then you add salt and pepper and try it. Uh, so I haven't tried it yet. My wife's been eating it over the course of the week. Uh, she seems to like it. One of the challenges of the podcast is that I, it takes, you know, I only have so many hours after work that I'm not able to generally cook and record on the same day so all of my recipes are pre-cooked so i'm not getting and i try as hard as i can i don't think other than maybe the first episode i don't think i've ever actually eaten the soup before like the tasting section that you're about to hear and i try to abide by that just so that you're getting the full experience but i am wondering if it's affecting kind of my judgment of the flavor of the recipe and maybe i should be maybe i should record at the very least the tasting portion uh you know in the heat of the moment something to think about right in uh, or, you know, on Twitter, uh, you can you can at me, at Kyle A. Gregory, whether you think that I should pre-record the tasting portion with the fresh soup the day I make it, or if I should continue to do things the way that I've normally done it. And, you know, be sure to use our hashtag, hashtag SS, slurp, soft, slurp softly, A, lowercase, C, A, lowercase, uh, B, 
S. And so the words that are not uh, articles like A are uppercase in the hashtag. And that's how I'll know that you're a real Soup Troop member and a real fan. Yeah, so I'm going to go try it. Uh, I hope it's good. It has two starches, which is, you know, kind of fun and interesting. Enjoy the audio collage, and I'll be back. Everybody, I'm back. I've got my bowl in front of me. As always, we'll review it using the five senses. First sight, it's a really vibrant, bright green. Again, Baby Yoda color, I think is pretty accurate. There are like visible strings of chicken breast, the big carrot chunks, some peas. What's kind of curious is that I can't really, potatoes are kind of undifferentiated. Uh, I think they've kind of merged with the rest of the soup to just make, they're kind of just part of the broth. Uh, and I can't find any rice, which I don't know if I didn't adequately, I guess, I guess the rice is there, it's just kind of, again, like the potato, kind of been absorbed into the, the general soup texture, which I appreciate. So I'm gonna, it's really thick, and here, I'll give you the old plop test. Sounds thick, right? The kids, I think the kids would call this dummy thick. So let me give you a little taste. So, right now it tastes kind of like a chicken and potato soup. The, I'm kind of surprised, like, the, it smells really cumin-y, but there's not a ton of cumin flavor. The peas, which I thought would be kind of like a, a weird, unnecessary addition, are actually, something about them interacts with the flavors really well. It's definitely not the richest soup I've made. Uh, I think that's because the the quick broth that I made. I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add some more salt and pepper and citrus and see if that kind of spices things up a little bit. All right, so I got a little bit of lemon here. I'm gonna add in, and some sea salt. 
and a little bit of black pepper. I don't know if black pepper is a common South American ingredient, uh, but it can't hurt, right? Stir that up a little bit. Yeah, this is one of the thickest soups we ever made. Um, which kind of gives me hope that I can put together a chowder recipe that doesn't use flour. I haven't tried it yet, but I think the past two soups I've made with potatoes give me hope that I, that I think I can just starch it up enough with potato to not really have to worry about the the flour. Alright, so Ooh, it definitely has like boo, 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 a little more complexity in the, in the scent. That made a big difference. And so now, I now it has like a green, it almost tastes like a green enchilada, like a green chili chicken enchilada. I bet. I bet if you made the same recipe with hatched chilies instead of the poblano, it would be really, really something. I mean, like add a little, I know I like I I haven't uh I haven't tried like an authentic version of this, but it makes me with hatch chilies would be really good. And it might just reflect my taste growing up so close to New Mexico. And maybe add a little sour cream would probably be really good to this. Um I think if I make this again, I'll A order the Ahi Amarillo paste just to get a sense of that flavor. Um or B use twice or three times as many jalapenos. Because there's not really a ton of pepper flavor. And competing with that the potato that, you know, as I, as I said in the first episode, if you want to de-salt a dish, throw some potatoes in it. So it's gotta, you gotta do a lot to overcome that. So feel, it's very thick. Actually, like, it's so thick that it's not getting caught in my mustache, which is very rare these days. I always look like a slob eating. And a lot of my shirts are ruined because I'll, the mustard's kind of the worst, the hot dog is like the worst offender. Anytime I eat a hot dog, I invariably get just like a big glob of mustard that catches my mustache and then falls on my shirt. And so all of my, any shirt I've ever worn to a baseball game has a huge mustard stain on it. Smell, I already mentioned it's probably the best smelling soup that I've made. Uh, reheated, the smell is not as powerful, but like when I first made it, it was, it made the whole house smell great. Taste, you've gone over, I guess um, we've gone over taste. I'll talk a little bit more of the specific ingredients. The carrots have retained their carroty flavor. It hasn't been seeped out, which is nice. As I said, the peas uh, are a little different and they're fun. Chicken tastes like chicken. It tastes, it tastes like a chicken soup with a little bit of a little bit of complexity from the from the chilies and the peppers and um, from the cilantro. I'd be curious to see what somebody uh, who doesn't like cilantro thinks of this because I can't really taste the cilantro flavor in it very much. But I know that people that dislike cilantro like really, really kind of viscerally dislike it. It looks great. We did the pop test. We heard it. Sounds thick. It's pretty good. We'll see how it stacks up in the rankings. We've kind of season three has been pretty hot in the fact that we haven't really made a, a soup that I would describe as like bad or underwhelming. Like everything's been pretty solid. Might mean I need to test my skills more as a cook. So that's something that we can add to the agenda. Lucy is desperately pawing at the locked door to get to this soup, but I'm not gonna give it to her. Because she already ate her food. This is dad eating her. Okay, mm-hmm. move the soup to the side. Move on to our next segments. So moving right along. A little chill tune here and go to some soup news. 
Today's soup news comes to us courtesy of the Huffington Post, <clears throat> an August institution. And the article is, the healthiest canned chicken soups ranked by nutritionists. So we had chicken soup today. Um, and you can actually make uh, aguadita. It doesn't necessarily have to be de pollo. It can be uh, with kind of whatever protein you happen to have on hand. I think in Peru they'll make it with seafood as well, which, pro- which sounds like it'd be pretty good now that I've sampled it. Um, it's also supposedly a good hangover food, which I don't know that it has any special hangover curing properties other than that's just like a lot of calories and you know it's a soup so there's some hydration involved the best hangover soup is just water or gatorade which as we know is electrolyte soup some nutritionists took a peek behind the nutrition label on these uh, canned soups and ranked them uh 10 to 1 in terms of healthiness coming in at number 10 shamefully is campbell's chicken noodle soup Uh, as we discussed last week Failing Campbell's and their inept leadership is really just uh, at the bottom tier of the soup game right now. Uh, they're on the mat. They need some fresh innovative ideas. Um, they need someone who really connects with the youth of the soup movement. Um, and so, you know, if you have any connections at uh, Campbell's Corporate, uh, my phone number is not publicly available, but my email is. It's kgreg7 at gmail.com. Uh, so I'm going to look at the... I wanna look, I'm going to play a little game and look at these rankings and see why they're so high, or why they are where they are. So Campbell's Chicken Noodle Soup, first off, has a 890 milligrams of sodium per serving, which is a lot. I believe the you're only supposed to have like 1,500 to 2,000 milligrams of sodium a day. And when you consider the fact that a can is two and a half servings of chicken soup, you are putting yourself way into that high sodium category, which is just not good. Number nine, Progresso Light Chicken Noodle. It is lower calorie. Mm, actually, well, that's kind of the same calories. Uh, well, the serving size is smaller. Okay, it's half as many calories as the Campbell's Chicken Noodle, which I don't, I don't know how you get that unless you just cut out the ingredients because there's not that many high calorie ingredients in chicken soup to begin with um but it has the same amount of salt which is kind of preposterous progresso traditional uh is actually higher ranked than the progresso light i guess because it seems more natural and normal in terms of uh like having the actual like the light just has the has less fat and you need some fat fat's good for you campbell's well yes comes in at number seven so this is like their antibiotic free soups which Good for them. Oh, and the noodles are made from quinoa flour, so you can it's gluten-free. That's cool. And it has 15 grams of protein per can, which I do like. Sodium level is also a little bit lower. Amy's No Chicken Noodle Soup. I'm going to disregard this because it doesn't have chicken in it. Annie's Organic Chicken Noodle. Uh, I like Annie's because I find the rabbit logo to be pretty charming. And also the rabbit on the logo is eating soup. So much like the Baby Yoda, cause for reflection whenever we eat. Uh, and you, you actually could eat a rabbit. Whereas Baby Yoda is kind of theoretical. You could eat a rabbit, but I don't know if you could eat a rabbit that also likes soup, because I think that might be a fiction of the Annie's company. Healthy Choice Chicken Noodle Soup comes in at number four. Ooh, damn. So it only has 390 milligrams of sodium compared to like 660 from the ones up top. Uh, The Whole Foods 365 Everyday Value Organic Chicken Noodle Soup comes in at number three. Uh, If I'm looking at these ingredients, I guess it only has 70 calories per serving, so it must be loaded up with water, but... and most of the other ways, it doesn't seem to come out ahead on the 
healthy choice. Pacific Foods Organic is number two. Has seven grams of protein per serving. Lower, so that has only 430 milligrams of sodium. It's a low sodium option. And finally, number one, Healthy Valley Organic Chicken Noodle Soup. No salt added with organic pasta. Only 130 milligrams of sodium per serving. And the serving size is a cup, which is, when you think of it, that's pretty wild. So we got the Health Valley. You get one cup, you have 130 milligrams of sodium. You go back top to our classic Campbell's Chicken Noodle. A half cup has 890 milligrams of sodium. That is a salty soup. So if you guys are gonna indulge in a little, you know, it's the fast food of soup. If you're gonna indulge in a canned soup, I would have to recommend the Health Valley Organic Chicken Noodle. It's a little lower in protein than some of the others, so maybe you wanna mix in the Pacific Foods or the Whole Foods 365. Actually, Whole Foods 365 might be the best overall option, calorie and, and protein-wise. Go for that one. Ooh, the Health Valley's made of dark meat chicken, though, so that's also something to think about. So that's our soup news. I'm not a canned man, but I could be. Campbell's, if the price is right. And our next uh, segment, as always, is one-star review, new name coming soon. I haven't seen any. Oh, also I got this recipe from gimmesomeoven.com. <sighs> There's not any like negative reviews, which they, I mean, people just have kind of, this is kind of the challenge when I, now that I'm getting my recipes from places that aren't allrecipes.com, uh, they're actually usually pretty good. We're gonna have positive reviews. I will say there's a very weird, the top comment on this recipe is from Charmaine. Her name is Charmaine and uh, her username is Charmaine and her last name, which I won't share just to be polite. And it says architecture and lifestyle vlog. And then she says, it looks really great and healthy. My kind of thing. I've never heard of this type of soup, but I'd love to try it myself. And this is just like the most bullshit comment that one could leave on anything. Contributes nothing, has nothing, no real relation. Like, she could write this comment about anything. It doesn't have to be soup, it could be, you know, if you're reviewing a golf ball, you could have the same comment and have the same level of insight. And what Charmaine is doing is trying to get these little little backlinks to her blog. And I don't appreciate that, she's being deceptive. Her last blog post was in April of this year. The comment that she left was in 2017. So she did stick at it, so points to Charmaine for perseverance, uh, negative points to her for asinine comments and trying to leech off of Give Me Some Oven to promote her lifestyle blog. Oh, the person that made the recipe's name is Ollie, or Allie. Looks like everyone else that runs a recipe blog. Um, yeah, so that's a one-star review's new name coming soon. I give a one-star review to Charmaine uh, for her, you know, off-putting and uh, avaricious influencer marketing. Do better, Charmaine. And we're gonna move on to our next segment, our word salad. This one comes to us from Keith on word salad. Keith says, CBD is a thing now. How can I incorporate it into soup without my wife finding out? Careful listeners will notice that I burped in the middle of the question. I apologize, that was uncouth of me. Keith has kind of entered into like a chicken and the egg. Well, no, Keith has entered into a kind of a Schrodinger's cat paradox here because near as I can tell, CBD doesn't actually do anything. So he could either just put it into his wife's soup and she wouldn't notice because it doesn't actually have any effect on you. Or he could lie to his wife and say that he put it in there and see if she feels either better or worse. Or he could do neither, but he could just, you know, whisper in her ear at night, I may or may not have dosed you with CBD in your soup and I may or may not dose you with CBD in future soups. 
and you will never know if I've done it or not. And I think that would maybe, I assume she's she's taking it for like anxiety or to reduce stress. And so I think adding that level of uncertainty would maybe take her mind off of the other stress and move it on to just kind of the question of what kind of person she married and who would put this kind of psychological torture on someone they claim to love. So Keith, that's my advice to you. Just put your put your wife in a jigsaw style house of psychosexual torment over the CBD and uh, best of luck to you. All right, as always, I am soliciting questions for Word Salad. The email address is kgreg7 at gmail.com. And again, we are still working on getting me a new uh, Soup Dream specific email address. If anyone uh, wants to create that for me, uh, I will allow you to maintain password access and read all the emails that come in. And so that'll be a fun little treat for you. Actually, maybe I should make that a Patreon tier. Be the person who creates the email and is allowed to read the emails. Like if you contribute $250 a month to Patreon, maybe you can be that person. Right, if you think it's a good idea, again, hashtag S-S-A-C-A-B-S. That's the official hashtag. Slurp softly and carry a big spoon. Um, and finally, we're moving to rankings. So I think this is going to qualify as an exotic soup, um, just because it is not something I make before, even though it's basically, you know, a chicken soup with some unusual ingredients added to it. If you're new to the show, we have two categories of soup. Staple soups, which are soups that I make a lot, or that are, you know, few, very few ingredients, don't have any real art required to them. You know, your, your standard just kind of like dump stuff in a pot, which is actually is kind of unfair to the, the reigning champ of, of staple soups, Texas chili, which is a more complicated recipe. Staple soups, I'll, I'll run down the, the top, top, top four because there's only four right now. Uh, Texas chili, silky ginger zucchini, the sausage potato and spinach from last week, and beef stew. And then our exotic soups, we have borscht, galbi tang, egg drop, vegan chili, and oyster stew. And so the question becomes, where does the aguadito fall into the exotics? And so I'm gonna put it above oyster stew, which was you know, an abject failure, one of the worst things you've ever done this show. Above vegan chili, which was good, but has a limited ceiling by virtue of being vegan chili. Above egg drop soup, which I enjoy, but it's difficult to, to get, weirdly difficult to get right, despite being a soup with like two ingredients. And that's where it's gonna stay. It's gonna be number three behind borscht and galbi tang. Congratulations to Aguadito, you cracked the top three. Best of luck next week when we try a new soup. And yeah, that's the rankings. Borscht, galbi tang, Aguadito, egg drop, vegan chili, and oyster stew. And now we're on to our final segment, which is corrections and omissions. I do have a correction and omission this week. And the correction and omission is that last week I was talking about um, Bluetooth headphones, wireless headphones, and I called them AirBuds, which is not a way to listen to music, but it's in fact a children's movie uh, from the 90s about a golden retriever that plays basketball and then... Uh, and the sequels plays various other sports. I was thinking of AirPods, which is Apple's proprietary Bluetooth uh, listening devices. So apologies to Apple, apologies to AirBud. Next time, I'll make sure to not get confused like that. All right, everybody uh, have, a, have a great week. Enjoy the holidays. I don't know if I'm going to record. I will be on vacation for like 10 days, so I'll have plenty of time. I do worry about leaving my microphone in Texas when I go there. 
but I'll bring it. And, you know, maybe I'll see some friends. Maybe we'll get some uh, some guests on the show uh, and have, have a blast. So thank you once again for listening. You can share. Peace and love. And most importantly, slurp softly and carry a big spoon. <laughs>